summer sky while riding the train home from the University of Oregon. Maybe I should name my book Uneventful Day. Yes, I'm sure readers would clamor to bookstores for that one. Of course, that day was only uneventful because my life had blown up a week before and there was nothing good left to salvage from the wreckage. I had no choice but to head home for the summer with my head slung low and my tail between my legs. I grabbed my bike helmet off the dining table, ignoring the car keys sitting in the glazed blue dish on the kitchen counter. A hacking sound gets my attention, and I sigh when I see Skippy has vomited his morning meal onto the green doggy bed. I let him out of the crate and work as fast as I can to scrub most of the vomit off in the kitchen sink. Then I grab the old dog bed I keep in my closet as a spare and lay it down inside the crate. After I call my mom and ask her to come check on Skippy while I'm gone, I head out the front door of my one-bedroom apartment in Goose Hollow, a small community in southwest Portland with a spirited car-free culture. I get in the elevator and press the button for the lower terrace level. When the stainless steel doors slide open, I slip the helmet over my head and buckle it tightly under my chin, wincing as I pull one of my auburn hairs out of the clasp. It's a beautiful August day in Portland, Oregon. Perfect day to ride to work. I reach the bike storage room near the gym and laundry facilities and enter my coat on the digital padlock, securing my bike to the wall rack. Pulling the bike off the wall, I double check that the straps on my backpack are nice and tight. Then I hop on and set off toward the bridge. The vomiting incident has made me 10 minutes late. I need to ride my ass off today. I hit some gridlock on the way, so I arrive at Zucker's grocery store on Belmont 23 minutes late for my five-hour shift. After hastily locking up my bike in the employee rack behind the store, I enter through the back door. The refrigerated air blasts me in the face, and my heated skin bristles at the change in temperature. The warehouse is always freezing and smells of stale lettuce. Edwin, the warehouse supervisor, waves at me from behind the window looking into his office, where he's speaking to Minnie, the inventory-slash-payroll clerk. I wave back and power walk to the time clock to punch in before Edwin can come outside to make small talk and realize I'm late. I tuck my green t-shirt bearing the grocery store logo, a beige Z in the middle of a circle, into my black skinny jeans and head straight for Jamie's office. Jamie Zucker is the great-granddaughter of Winifred Zucker, the woman who opened the first Zucker's market in 1948 at the ripe age of 43. Their family suffered greatly through the Depression. Then Winifred lost her husband, Jacob Zucker, in World War II, leaving her to care for the twins, Jeffrey and John, by herself. Winifred, known to most as Winnie, worked day and night for four years as a seamstress to save enough money to open her own shop. When the twins were old enough, they took over the market and turned it into a small chain of natural food stores. Winnie insisted they would never sell the mass-produced junk she saw on the shelves of the big-box supermarkets. They struggled through the 80s and 90s when America experienced a cheap junk food explosion. But the organic food movement of the 21st century breathed new life into their business, and they were now opening their fifth location in East Portland, which Jamie would be running mostly by herself. Jamie was only 26, but she'd been working at Zucker's for 10 years. Her grandfather, John Zucker, still came in once in a while to see how Jamie was doing. He was really there to check how she was running the store. Though it appeared on the outside that he had little faith in her, 
You could see by the way his eyes lit up in her presence that there was no one he adored more than Jamie. I sometimes wondered what it would feel like to have a grandfather or even a father who looked at me like that. I stride purposefully past the displays of organic Brayburn apples on my left and the dairy case on my right into the rear right corner of the store. Reaching the office, I knock three times and hear an, oh my God, before Jamie yanks the door open. Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think of this, she says, her freckled cheeks flushed red and her blue eyes wide with horror. I need you to pretend to be me. What? I chuckle as she pulls me behind her desk toward the black leather office chair. Sit, she commands. Just hear me out. She takes a seat in one of the visitor chairs on the other side of the desk, where I normally sit. She pushes her hand through her thin blonde hair as she stares at me.